Okay, so school is back in session. This is Jenna and Cameron, and we are here today meeting with Daniel Baddock. He is a part of the MAT program, getting his master's in teaching secondary social studies. Last semester, he did Linden Teach and is now doing his student teaching. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Glad to be here with you. Where are you student teaching? So I'm at St. Charles West High School. Okay, and how did you decide on that school? So I completed my first practicum at St. Charles High School, and I had a really good experience there at that school. I got a lot of support from the social studies department that I worked with. I really liked being in the same neighborhood as Lindenwood. Uh, My parents own Lewis and Clark's restaurant um, on Main Street in St. Charles. I've worked there for about the past 10 years, so I feel like I have a connection with the district, have a connection with the community there, so it felt like a pretty natural fit. Uh, And going forward into the following year, I reached out to Dr. Aldridge about the Linden Teach program, and I decided that I wanted to go back to that district, that I wanted to try working at St. Charles West High School. And so far, that's been a really great experience. It's a smaller school, so after having been there for almost a full school year now at this point, I feel like I know almost everybody there at the school. Um, A lot of the kids I see in the hallway, I see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of the teachers, a lot of the staff. Uh, I get a lot of support there from my cooperating teachers, from pretty much anyone that I interact with. So I'm having a great experience there, and I am really glad that I chose St. Charles West. That's awesome. Um, Could you talk a little bit about your background and what led you to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So... I did always want to teach high school. I did always want to teach. Well, actually, let me take that back. I always wanted to teach, but I didn't necessarily always want to teach high school. I guess going back as far as elementary school, I always just kind of got the sense that seeing my teachers teach and kind of having them model that for me, I always got the sense that I could that I could see myself doing that. And then going forward, I always just kind of continued having that feeling. Um, Going into college, I got my undergraduate at Maryville in International and Cultural Studies, which is a lot of the history and political science coursework. And I really enjoyed the content that I was learning. And I continued to kind of have that desire to teach. And I thought seriously about teaching at the college level, like pursuing a Ph.D. program, to try to teach college. Um, And eventually I decided that that probably wasn't for me going down that path, wasn't something that I necessarily wanted for myself. So at the time after I graduated college, I continued working at my parents' restaurant and I was once again drawn back to teaching. And so this time I decided that I was going to try pursuing teaching English in Vietnam. And at this time, I decided that I was going to get a a certification in teaching English as a foreign language, uh, go abroad for kind of an indeterminate amount of time. I just kind of wanted to make it open-ended, kind of try moving abroad, living abroad, um, like working in a different environment, working in a different culture, in a different city, 
So I ended up moving to Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. And my plan was to work with a, an after-school center, um, like a language learning center that kids would go to after school. Um, eventually what I did was I was able to make some connections over there and I was able to get some work doing tutoring. I was able to get some work doing some like small group, uh, after school sessions where I would create my own lessons, where I would teach kids like from middle school age to high school age. And what I really enjoyed about this was being able to tie the instruction in conversational English kind of to the cultural differences that are inherent to the way that we communicate. So, for example, I could be teaching kids a lesson on how to have like a small talk conversation with someone they've never met to kind of introduce themselves and selves and say maybe something about themselves to a stranger. And in, for example, in Vietnam, I had many of these conversations with strangers where people would ask you right off the bat, oh, what do you do for work? Um, how much How much money do you make? Um, where do you live? Like what kind of, you know, what kind of house, what kind of apartment do you live in? Like what neighborhood do you live in? And really just kind of ask some of these questions that maybe in a Western setting or an American setting um, would probably be a little bit uncomfortable for people to answer. And so just kind of trying to explain those differences, like, um, have a conversation with them. All right, we're going to have a conversation like you're meeting me for the first time. But instead of talking about those things, we're going to talk about the weather and what are maybe some, you know, activities or like sports that you like or some things that can kind of ease people more into a familiar conversation with someone rather than um, saying those other things off the bat and just kind of explaining, just kind of getting into the in a little bit in depth on like, you know, the different perspectives that people have when approaching these conversations based on the culture. And that just really interested me um, more so even than like the English language instruction. And I think that really kind of dovetails really nicely with why I eventually settled on teaching high school, because I think that for kids that are in that middle school to high school range, they are going through, they're going through a stage where, for example, they are trying to figure out who they are, understand who they are and how they fit within societal structures. And so to be able to come to them and give them a different perspective on, oh, this is how people interact differently in other parts of the world. These are maybe some other experiences that people have in other parts of the world. Um, that really brings me a lot of joy, um, not only teaching Vietnamese kids, but also teaching American kids too. And I think that that really ends up, it kind of, it kind of explains why I like teaching that age group and also why I like teaching the content, teaching about social studies and about those, you know, kind of trying to broaden perspectives on the world in general, but also their world and just trying to open up their own personal world as they're exploring who they are. Absolutely. Did the pandemic have any kind of impact on this? 
Yes, definitely. So I went over to Vietnam in the fall of 2019 and my intention was to stay for at least a year. That was my goal at first. I thought to myself, no matter how this works out, I'm going to stick it out for at least a year. I would like to potentially spend even more time over there. I didn't really have an end date. I mean, I bought a one-way ticket. I was just like, this is just going to be what I'm doing right now. Um, I'd really like it to work out. Ultimately, in February of 2020, things started to get um, a little bit, things started to get a little bit uncertain in Vietnam. Things started to progress a little bit more quickly over there than they did in the United States in terms of the pandemic. And so what I found was that a lot of the work that I had previously was no longer um, available. And so what I could have done was I could have potentially tried to wait it out. Um, but at the same time, it, there was just a lot of uncertainty about what was going to happen with, um, you know, with lockdowns and would I get stuck in the country and what I, you know, ultimately I decided to go back to the U.S. while I felt like there was still an opportunity to leave before things really got shut down. So then that's ultimately what I ended up doing. So I went back to the U.S. and, you know, through the pandemic, started um, working at Lewis and Clark's restaurant again. And then by the fall of 2021, when things started to get a little bit more normal, I decided that, you know what, I can't, I can't stay away from teaching. I have to go, I have to go back into it in some form or fashion. And then that's how I got into Lindenwood's MAT program. And then that's where it started. So then that's where I find myself now just kind of like at the end of that program doing my student teaching. So going right along with that, how is it different adjusting from substitute teaching to student teaching? Yeah, that's a good question. So as you had mentioned before, I was part of the Linda Teach program and it definitely was, there's definitely a lot of differences and more so than, I guess, the obvious things like in student teaching, yes, you're doing a lot more lesson planning. Yes, you're doing a lot more grading. What I would say is that I would say that there's some subtle differences with classroom management as well. So, for example, some things are going to be a lot easier in student teaching when you have the same group or groups of kids that you are working with you can not only form those relationships, not only kind of have a mutual understanding of what is expected in the room every day, um, developing those structures, the routines, the expectations, all of that is definitely helpful and lets things flow. Yeah, that's definitely something I can relate to because with substitute teaching, I find it really hard to be able to relate to my students and like get them to, you know, follow the expectations as much because they're not used to me. And whereas with student teaching, you're able to build those connections and gain that respect from the students. Definitely. Yeah. And with with substitute teaching, it's like every day, it's like no matter how well you did with the last group, every day that you go back in, it's like you're starting over fresh. 
it's like you have to kind of reintroduce yourself. You have to reestablish what the kids are expected to do that day. It could be different based on what their assignment is, based on what the regular classroom teacher leaves for you. So all of that, you know, when you're in student teaching, it does feel like you're building on it. Like the things, the progress that you make in one day can kind of carry over to the next one. Um, another thing that also becomes easier is because you're in charge of your own lesson planning and because you are creating activities and you have you know, some level of mastery over the content, you are able to make the lessons so much more engaging rather than potentially not being familiar with the content that the classroom teacher wants them to learn that day or not having an assignment for them that you feel like is going to engage them throughout the entire lesson. So being having more control over that increases the engagement, I think, and really cuts down on the classroom management issues. Um, what I will say on the flip side is I do think that there are some unique challenges brought by student teaching um, based on kind of the same things I've been talking about. Because you're in the same room with the same kids, you know, day after day, what happens a lot of times is you are or the interactions that you have with the kids or the way you respond to certain incidents or interactions uh, can have repercussions that last beyond the single class period. So, for example, if you respond to an incident, maybe in a way that you thought, oh, I could have responded better to that. Um, I could have improved on the way that I handled that situation. You are still going to be oftentimes faced with similar behavior the following period or a week later or a month later because you have the same kids who are prone to the same issues, but at the same time, they also feed off of your response as well. So if you respond in one way, then all of a sudden that affects how kids view your management style. And so, whereas if you're substitute teaching, it's almost like every day you get a reset. It's like, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. When I go in today, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm really lay out these expectations really clearly. I really make sure that they do this, this, and that um, the way I want them to. Whereas student teaching, it just kind of, it evolves over time and it just kind of progresses in ways where you have to you just have to continue to manage the progression. You can't just reset it. You can't just reset it every day. Yeah, that completely makes sense. Yeah. I could definitely see that. That's not something that like I would have thought about. I would have thought like, oh, it would be easier with student teaching, but you're completely right. Like with substitute teaching, you're able to come in the next day and be like, you know what? I didn't really um, express my expectations that well, so I'm going to make sure that today with this class, I make sure I express my expectations clearly. Absolutely. So teaching within the high school setting, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, so I know that you are, I know that Jenna, you're doing middle school yes. and Cameron, you're doing elementary. So yeah. it is a little bit different. I know that you said you don't have block classes. Correct. Um, Jenna, how many students do you work with in total? Or if you were to be a middle school teacher, how many students do you think you would work with? I do have almost a similar setting as a high school, but I don't think it's as large. I think it is kind of smaller. My classroom sizes aren't 
huge, mm-hmm. but I do get to teach that one subject like high school and get to meet a whole new set of students each class period, but we don't have the block scheduling, so that would be my difference. And then whereas for me, I'm with the same group of kids the entire day, and I'm teaching them all of their subjects, not just that one, and I only get that group of students, so I don't get to see like a new group of students and kind of start fresh, you know? So what is it like in high school with that? Yeah, so what I would say with getting the new groups specifically, what I've learned being in student teaching, kind of having, being familiar with different sets of kids coming in every day is that these these sections, these classes, even though they're learning the same content, they're in the same, you know, they're at the same developmental level like it's the same track class it's not like one class is more difficult than the other these classes still have like very distinct personalities and it's so interesting to see because I've had some of the same kids another benefit of doing Linden teach and substituting in the same building as student teaching is I've seen a lot of these kids in other environments and for example one kid that's maybe super talkative and outgoing in their English class, all of a sudden now I have them in social studies every day and maybe they don't have their friends with them and maybe they're really quiet and maybe they're, you know, they're not willing to speak out nearly as much where it could be the opposite for other kids. And so it's, that's just one of the most interesting things about the different sections is it really only takes sometimes a couple kids, a couple extra personalities into the mix to really change how these kids are interacting with each other, the whole classroom dynamic. Yeah, so with that, I did have a question. So, like, um, you're getting to see, like, different groups of kids each day. And, um, like, so say there's a certain amount of blocks that you have each day and you get to see that many. So with me, I have about 20 kids at max and maybe, like, 15 at minimum. How many kids do you get to teach throughout your day? Yeah, so between my... Between my six sections, so I have two preps. I have a regular sophomore world civilization prep with four sections. I have an honors U.S. freshman, honors freshman U.S. history prep with two sections. So between all six of those, it's over 100 kids. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And that also brings you know, more issues and, well, not issues necessarily, but it brings more challenges in trying to make sure that you're able to get to know these kids as well. And so now being, here we are in March, I feel like I've been able to, I feel like over time I've been able to get to know them all much more on an individual basis than I was earlier, but it did take a lot longer than I had anticipated just because there are so many kids. So that's where I think at the high school level, especially um, just prioritizing, making sure you greet all the kids every day, making sure you check on the kids consistently, individually, just trying to kind of create those opportunities where you're able to have like a little conversation or a little interaction with them. So how do you prepare to teach each of these lessons? So you have a lesson that you're teaching to your block schedule for that day. So I know that you are able to adjust that based on the needs of the specific groups that you're encountering, but how do you prepare those lessons that you're going to teach? Yeah, so that's a good question. So in terms of preparation, what I do is the first thing I want to do is I want to make sure that I really have mastery over the content. 
Uh, that's my first concern usually. So it involves not only going over the materials that my CTs have provided for me, but also making sure that I'm kind of going a little bit more in depth on things that maybe I'm not quite as familiar with because I want to make sure that I have, I want to make sure that I have the knowledge to kind of go beyond the specific objectives because in case they have questions and also that allows me to develop deeper follow-up questions too. So that kind of leads me into the next part, which is developing questions and kind of using those, those depth of knowledge levels or Bloom's taxonomy levels sometimes could be helpful too, uh, to just kind of have those in your back pocket. So that way, if you're questioning kids, whether it's direct instruction or you're doing a group activity, you could walk around, kind of make sure you're meeting them where they are and make sure that if somebody really understands it and somebody really gets it quickly, what you're going over, that you're able to still have a conversation with them that can challenge them. So a quick takeaway from that is I know that like we, while we're substitute teaching, we've realized that, but people who haven't even substitute taught, been able to substitute teach yet, um, I know they're wondering like, are we really going to use these DOK levels? Are we really going to use Bloom's taxonomy? And like you're living proof that like we are going to use those. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I actually do find it helpful going over, you know, starting with my unit from secondary methods, just making sure that I had those kind of explicitly written out there and just kind of carrying that over to student teaching, just kind of having those in my back pocket and knowing that I'm able to ask those questions without having to spend too much time thinking them up on the fly, just kind of having that to go to. Um, another thing that I've started doing more recently is I've started, when I do group activities, I've started making sure that I really utilize the seating charts that I give them or that I have, not that I give them, but the seating charts that I have available for each class to kind of tinker with those and think like, how am I going to group up these kids to where they're going to possibly work best with each other? And this kind of goes back to the idea of, you know, having those different sections with the different personalities. Some classes, for example, the kids are, maybe there's some more behavior issues that are prevalent, but in those sections, I tend to see a lot more engagement with group activities. Like they're just more talkative overall. So it could be, you know, there could be positives and negatives to that, depending on what's going on in class at that moment. Um, there's other sections too, where they're much more quiet, much less willing to engage. So those are the sections that I feel like I have to work extra hard to try to get them to participate and get things, get ideas flowing for them more freely. So trying to make sure that the kids that are a little bit more willing to have those conversations and a little bit more willing to put themselves out there in that way are kind of equally dispersed amongst these groups. I don't want to have like the most quiet kids in the group or in the class, like all grouped up together. So right. kind of trying to think of those things ahead of time a little bit, I think can also be helpful. And that also works for like making adjustments between classes. So that's another, I would say it's a benefit of teaching high school because I'm teaching the same thing multiple times in a row. I can not only make adjustments based on, Oh, I think this worked well, this didn't work well, but I can think to myself, Oh, 
on my A day, for example, I just had my two most engaged classes, my two most talkative classes. How did they do with this group activity? And think to myself, how are my quiet classes the next day going to do with this group activity? Right, right, for sure. I definitely think that's the benefit of student teaching is that you do get to build those personal relationships. So you do get to see, you get to adjust your lesson based on how it went the day before or the class period before. And you get to know the personality of each student so you can't group them together or kind of disperse them around. So I do think that's a benefit of student teaching for sure. So based on all of this, I was curious on what is something you wish you knew before going into student teaching? So before I went into student teaching, I think that the the only thing that I was really concerned about was kind of jumping into it and kind of biting off a little bit more than I could chew a little bit too early and just not having the tools to not not necessarily run the classroom, but just kind of do just do everything simultaneously, like manage the classroom independently while at the same time assigning homework, assigning grades, um, having relationships with students, having relationships with parents, with staff, and all of that simultaneously seemed like it could potentially be overwhelming. Uh, What I did find, at least in my experience, was my CTs. I do have two CTs, by the way. And CT is cooperating teacher, right? Yes, yes. Um, They've been really supportive, and they've done a really good job of kind of easing me into it as I'm comfortable to take over more and more aspects of each of their classes. And I would say that it has felt it has felt like a natural progression. So I would say if that's something that you're concerned about with student teaching, hopefully that alleviates some concerns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Having a good experience with your cooperating teachers yeah. can definitely. Absolutely. And I would say that the, the Linden Teach experience also helped immensely uh, because of that classroom management experience. And the fact that like in Linden Teach, we're really um, encouraged to work on and practice our like cooperation with the teachers and not just our mentor teacher, but like our grade level teachers that are also in our hallway. We're really encouraged to practice communicating with them and building that um, cooperation. So I would that probably helped prepare you for student teaching, working with two CTs. Yes, I would say working with su- working with two CTs, I think, has been a good experience because I'm in two different classroom environments with, you know, for example, in one room, it's they have pod seating and then the other room they don't. It's row seating. And so that also brings different classroom dynamics based on how the kids sit. It kind of make certain instructional activities um, a little bit easier in one room while it may make it more difficult in another room. So kind of trying to figure out how best to, how best to incorporate my own teaching style into the, the environment that's already in place in a couple different environments, I think has been a good experience. For sure. Yeah. Well, I, we both want to thank you so much for meeting with us today, Daniel. I personally have learned so much, Cameron. Yes, yes. Um, I feel like I have answered many questions I've had about student teaching as we both prepare for our student teaching semesters. So uh, we just want to thank you for being here. It was great to hear your background and perspectives. 
We hope that this helps all future educators that when they are in their final semester before they go into student teaching. For sure. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. Well, class dismissed. <laughs>